This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Yesterday on the 17th of January, the producer and director of locally made film Mantega Terbang, Tan Meng Keng and Kairi Anwar Jailani were charged under Section 298 of the Penal Code for, quote-unquote, hurting religious feelings, which is a blasphemy provision. So the charge carries a punishment of up to one year imprisonment or a fine or both. And as we know, Mantega Terbang was banned by the Home Ministry back in September 2023. It was taken down from the streaming platform View in March 2023 as well. The filmmakers have faced both online and offline threats since a social media campaign was launched against the film and all of those involved in it. So this latest move has several human rights groups, including the Freedom Film Network, urging the government to drop the criminal charges against the director and the producer and to also protect artists and artistic expression in Malaysia. So today on the show, I'm joined by the co-founders of the Freedom Film Network, Brenda Danka and Anna Ha. We're going to discuss this and more. Welcome, ladies. How are you today? Yeah. Hi, Good. Thanks for having us. Absolute pleasure. Lovely to have uh, the both of you back on the show. Though, of course, you know, not so great news that we're discussing today, but uh, let's let's get to it. Yeah. So um, I briefly mentioned in the introduction, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of what led us to where we are today. Right. But can you also just give a brief rundown uh, of what led to the charging of both Tan Mengking and Kairi Anwar Jailani? Sure. Um, yeah. So yesterday we were at the courts um, and Kairi Anwar, he's the director, and Tan Ming King, he's the producer of Mantega Terbang. They were both charged with deliberately wounding the religious feelings of any persons, which is Section 298 of the Penal Code. Um, and this is uh, really shocking because this charge is a criminal charge and it carries a punishment of up to one year imprisonment or a fine or both if found guilty. Mm. So if we were to look at the timeline of events, just a little bit of context, this charge of Kyrie and Ming King comes after the film, Mantega Tabang was already banned by the Home Ministry last year, which is September two, 2023. And that time when it was banned is under the Section 26 of the Firm Censorship Act. Uh, it was banned on the ground of uh, being contrary to public interest. Um, and if we will look a little bit earlier, um, in 2023, the filmmakers themselves had suffered uh, a really distressing time. Uh, they, were, they faced threats uh, from social media users, which escalated to physical uh, violence and also uh, intimidation from the state. Um, and it's really shocking because the film was released two years ago in 2021. So over the past, what I would say, three years, there's this, uh, you know, timeline of events. Okay. And how are the both of you feeling about these charges? You know, I mean, I, uh, Brenda, you mentioned shocked, right? But how are you feeling that, you know, this level of charges are being brought against uh, both the director and producer of Manteca Terbang? Yeah, actually, um, we kind of feel... Um, that it's too excessive, kind of heavy-handed. Uh, both of them were given um, kind of a higher amount of bail. It's not a minimal bail, okay. you know, 6000 6005 And then on top of that, um, they received a gag order, you know. So they are not allowed to talk about the case. Both of them are not allowed to talk about the case, which then kind of, um, you know, how do you have a... It impedes public uh, debate, I feel, and dialogue. And then, uh, and I think most distressing for me was um, that uh, Kyrie is required to report to uh, to the police station monthly. So this kind of handling uh, for a filmmaker, yeah, it's uh, kind of serious for us. Yeah, and I think it's excessive. 
Also, um, I think that um, it's also kind of unreasonable because um, Article uh, 10 of our constitution does guarantee us the freedom of expression uh, and it can only be um, restricted on reasonable grounds, you know. Okay. And so, as far as I know, um, Mentega Terbang and the filmmakers, they don't fall into this... Um, category uh, of uh, restrictions that can be imposed, such as national security, public order, or morality, you know. So, you know, but I mean, although people say, yeah, no freedom is absolute, you know, and no country actually has absolute freedom, but using 298 to charge filmmakers for a film that essentially is a fiction film inspired by experiences of grief in a multicultural and religious context, uh, for us, is unreasonable. Yeah. yeah. So I, the filmmakers are kind of uh, being made an example of, you know, kind of like, um, it feels like it's a warning and signal to uh, Malaysian filmmakers to, to stay away from certain uh, narratives that may be uh, counter-narratives to the mainstream or dominant ideologies. And these kind of things are not allowed, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also seem to be pandering to um, a certain but very loud but increasingly empowered section of society in Malaysia. And this this section of society, they use religion mostly to silence valid human experiences and uh, to discourage deeper dialogue and inquiry, you know, in order to protect their own interests. So that's kind of also uh, something that we find very disturbing. Yeah, and we're also quite worried for the filmmakers, uh, worried for their safety as well, uh, their mental health. Going to courts, it's going to be a prolonged process. Um, and also they're worried for their family members, the crew, you know, that were, who were involved in the film. So um, we also would like, you know, to see that they are protected, that being a filmmaker should be protected, that they are able to tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, and then the other thing that I think that we also worried about is their own careers, their futures. Uh, you know, if they would like to make more films, will they be banned or will they be, you know, not welcomed in the industry? So they, there is a lot of um, uh, consequences on the filmmakers and their team. And uh, the timing of these charges really, um, it, it raises some serious concern. Uh, why is the government using the penal code against the filmmakers? Uh, when we mentioned this now, you know, it's been over three years. The film has already been removed from the streaming platform. It's not, and it's already been banned. There's no unrest. So why now? Why why are they doing this now? And um, perhaps also it's, uh, these charges are actually being brought about because the filmmakers had filed a judicial review. Mm-hmm. Uh, the filmmakers are due to go to the courts uh, at the end of this month to review the ban of their film. Um, so these are some concerns about the filmmakers and uh, themselves and also the team of uh, Mantega Terbang. Um, I think the other worry is also about the society as a whole. Um, when we, you know, overprotect society or we, you know, don't uh, allow discourse or allow this space to process uh, ideas, uh, diverse ideas, uh, various practices, uh, what kind of society are we looking at creating? Uh, and it does seem to be counterproductive to nation building. Um, and this, this is a concern for us as well as for the society. 
And have we actually seen this sort of level or scale of action against filmmakers in Malaysia before before this happened? As far as we know, uh, Kyrie and Minking are the first Malaysian filmmakers uh, to be charged under Section 298 of the Penal Code. Um, we're not sure, but this is what we think, that they are the first Malaysian filmmakers to be charged. And criminalising filmmakers for a fiction film, um, you know, one that is inspired by life experience or actual experience of processing grief is what we see is excessive Mm. uh, and disproportionate. Um, There's no, uh, like we mentioned, evidence of this public outcry or outrage and the film has already been banned. So being charged under this section of penal code, it's uh, quite surprising for us. Okay. Yeah. All right. And and we do know that, um, you know, some of them that were involved in the film, they faced not just online harassment, right? They also uh, faced offline attacks. Uh, can you just remind our listeners about what happened uh, following, you know, the outcry of the film? Yeah, um, following the outcry of the film, uh, the there were some uh, people who kind of... Um, made uh, a lot of uh, criticisms and saying that the film was uh, blasphemous, uh, especially this most, This came mostly from the vocal conservatives in Malaysia. Uh, then the, what happened was this. Um, there were several police reports that were made against the film and this uh, ended up with the police uh, calling in Kairi, uh, the director of Mantega Terbang and Arjun, the actor and writer of the film, for questioning. And then after which, Ming King and several actors were also called in to record their statements. Uh, but but what happened was that uh, the people who made those police reports were not in, investigated, no? Mm-hmm. So and while so because of this like kind of silence and uh, the state was investigating the filmmakers, then uh, during this time, uh, what happened was then from online harassment, it escalated into an offline physical attack where both uh, Kyrie's uh, and Arjun, the writer-actor's cars, were vandalised with paint and a corrosive substance. And there were also signs that threatened them and the safety of their families. And these signs were left uh, on their cars. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, really distressing for, for them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just go for a quick break, ladies. When we come back, I want to find out more about um, something that, you know, uh, Freedom Film Fest worked on, you know, an in-depth report about the lack of systems in place to actually protect artists and artistic expression in Malaysia. Let's talk about that after this quick break. I'm speaking today to Brenda Danker and Anna Ha. They are the co-founders of the Freedom Film Network. We're talking just about that. How can we create safer spaces for the arts? How can we protect our artists and artistic expression in Malaysia? All of this, uh, you know, spurred by what has recently happened to the filmmakers and producer of Mantega Terbang who have... Who are facing criminal charges uh, for their film. We'll continue our discussion after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today, Anna Ha and Brenda Danker. They are the co-founders of the Freedom Film Network. We are talking about the news that uh, just happened yesterday, actually, on the 17th of January, where the producer and director of a locally made film, Manteka Terbang, were charged under Section 298 of the Penal Code for Hurting Religious Feelings, which is a blasphemy provision. So we do know that the film has already been banned. Uh, the filmmakers and those involved um, face both online and offline threats. Uh, it hasn't been actually in the news much, but 
but uh, so we're quite uh, disturbed by these um, by these charges, these criminal charges being brought against filmmakers. So we want to talk about how we can create some safer spaces for the arts, how we can protect artists and artistic protect uh, artistic expression in Malaysia. So Freedom Film Network, right? You guys released an in-depth report about that, right? The lack of systems to protect artists, right? In Malaysia, can you tell us some high, uh, key highlights from that report? Okay. Um, we did an analysis of what happened to Mantika Tebang. So we used Mantika Tebang as a case study to understand how the incitement of hate and harm had escalated towards uh, its filmmakers. So we looked at how the cycle of harassment and threats begin and then how it actually escalated from threats on social media to uh, online violence or physical violence. Mm. Um, and when we look at the social media outrage, uh, whether we, we're unsure whether it's real or manufactured, it did result in a total of like eight police reports lodged. Uh, so there were many multiple, uh, then it began this series of multiple government uh, agencies and police investigations into the film and the filmmakers. Uh, but as mentioned earlier, we did not see any action taken uh, to those who had made uh, violent threats, death threats against the Mantega Tebang team. Uh, furthermore, we also saw that the government had remained silent on these online threats against the team. So uh, it took about two and a half weeks of intense social media harassment. Uh, then the online attacks uh, escalated into an offline uh, attack. Okay. And, you know, when I was reading that that analysis that you did, I came across something which is called the, the Rabat Plan of Action, right? And that's a, that's a UN framework, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah, sure. The Rabat Plan of Action is the United Nations framework on the prohibition of advocacy of national racial or religious hatred that constitute incitement to discrimination, hostility or violence. Mm. Uh, the Rabat Plan outlines a six-part threshold test to determine if incitement to hatred has occurred. So we use this UN framework uh, because, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to... Everybody says, you know, like things like, okay, now you have incited or, you know, you are guilty of and this uh, hurts me or harms me. So what happened is this Rabat Plan of Action is a very good uh, way, a framework that I also uh, uh, hope that the authorities and government would use to determine if something was uh, insightful or um, kind of um, inciting hatred, mm -hmm. you know. So we, we use the Rabat Plan of Action and the, the six-part threshold test on um, the, the Mantega Terbang uh, issue. And we, we kind of, uh, it is, it's very good. You can find it on our web page, um, freedomfilm.my slash safer spaces. And that... Um, you can see that um, the attacks and how the things were written on social media, um, they do constitute incitement to hatred, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's our analysis that the attack on Mentega Terbang and the, on social media was an incitement to hatred. Uh, whereas if you look at, if you were to analyze the Mentega Terbang film, uh, it wouldn't pass that um, threshold of when uh, if the film is to be called an incitement to hatred, you know, and stuff like that. So um, our recommendation is that um, this framework would serve very good to determine in a very um, clear and precise way, you know, uh, and also international standards of how something could be deemed insightful or not. Yeah. Okay. 
so you know you you outlined like you know the time frames until it sort of escalated right and um, you know you describe that as a, a cycle of harassment right why is it important for us to recognize these sorts of cycles it's, it's almost like media literacy we need to understand uh, our online content uh, when it's too much and when it's not uh, harmful when it's harmful and when it's not uh, when we understand this and recognize this cycle of harassment and then we can diffuse it when it happens again. Um, and then we can also uh, inform the public, you know, this you should not uh, participate in this kind of hate campaigns uh, and not to be riled up and follow uh, your emotions, but to see that it is uh, harassment, it is violence, it is harmful, so that uh, everyone uh, is able to uh, play a part. So first of all, we then are able to diffuse it. Uh, we need to then take an action to stop participating in this kind of hate uh, campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, and this will then, you know, stop future cases of harassment. Okay. And, and what would your recommendations be to the state, to, to people as well, you know, to prevent something like this from happening again? Um, when we see films like Mantiga Tabang, it's uh, really important films uh, because it builds uh, religious harmony. Uh, it allows, you know, uh, after screening, we've had... Uh, participated in screenings of films like Mantega Tebang. And we see that after screening films like Mantega Tebang, there is this space to have uh, open communication. There's a safe space for us to dialogue with one another, uh, to share uh, different perspectives so that we can understand each other better. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can always uh, disagree, you know, we can always agree to disagree mm -hmm. uh, without going to the extent of banning films without going to the extent of charging films but uh, instead we are building a society that is able to have a, a, a fruitful meaningful discourse um, and this really helps to grow our society you know to be more democratic to be more thinking um, so in our experience uh, looking at Mantega Tabang as a film is an excellent tool uh, to foster such discussions you know mm. um, and the audience that uh, we spoke to who had watched the film they said that they understood and they appreciated each faiths better after watching the film and they could relate with the main character's experience so these are these are also uh, experiences of viewers with the film that the authorities need to take into account. Um, so I feel that um, when we do have this kind of films, and these films are really important for society because it does allow this uh, 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 possibility and it grows this ability for the public to have discussion, uh, to have a healthy debate. Uh, and this type of content then... Um, you know, people be able to discuss about values and uh, it will grow society to be more democratic, to be more thinking. Um, and I feel that, uh, you know, we said it's uh, uh, the way it's, uh, what has happened is uh, too, you know, over overarching too many uh, problems or sort of like gone, is disproportionate. And the reason is because films alone um, is not, uh, going to change a person's perspective or behavior. What is uh, what happens is that there are other factors involving in creating change behaviors and perspectives. Uh, other people play a role: parents, family members, the home environment, teachers. If you're looking at youth, teachers, 
these different factors all play an important role in shaping a person's worldview. So, you know, firm alone is not the only reason for a change behavior. And we can see that firms and firm makers at the moment are the only ones being punished and criminalized uh, for um, pushing forward so-called uh, negative influences or negative social values. Uh, and it really puts an unfair responsibility and burden on the filmmakers themselves to be the moral compass of the nation. So when we look at the government's approach of banning the film, and now even criminalizing the film, uh, this is really an archaic form of content control. Uh, in today's digital age where audiences are exposed to all sorts of content, you know, through social media, you know, everyone's viewing content on your phone, viewing content on the web, it is really impossible to uh, ban anything. Uh, so what we would see moving forward uh, would be, and more productive for nation building, is to empower citizens to have skills to process, uh, skills to have a discourse, to navigate, navigate and share content in a rational and responsible way. Uh, and this is very important in our our country, which is multicultural, multi-religious. Yeah. Uh, so uh, shutting down any conversations around just one film is not going to, you know, allow us to grow these skills. Okay. Um, Anna, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, um, we had, uh, FFN had organised an international conference on film and society mm. where we had gathered uh, creators, producers, regulators, academics and activists from all over Southeast Asia. And uh, so one of the conclusions that we made was that we really need to have a more balanced approach towards um, censorship or what you call uh, regulation of content, where, um, of course, um, the public order and security uh, is important. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, government policies as well. Uh, but there, it should be a more balanced approach where the rights of the consumers and other stakeholders are equally considered, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and also we feel that um, the I mean the, one of the conclusions was also that um, decisions made about restricting content and films must be evidence based and take and take into account intersectional perspectives, you know. Yeah. And for this to happen, policymakers and regulators must engage in regular consultations uh, so that information is dispensed in a timely manner. We are moving so fast, you know. Yeah. We cannot have a, a 50-year-old law then be uh, applied on a digital age, which is, you know, changing every day. Another thing is that uh, any code or uh, guidelines uh, for content must take a right space approach and be developed collectively by stakeholders. It cannot be top-down, dictated by the government. It must be developed by understanding both the supply and demand, demand side of content. Uh, so it's, it's also important to understand how consumers consume, not just how creators create. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, consumers should also be provided with necessary knowledge, skills and tools to effectively implement self-regulation for themselves and the children under their care. Ultimately, uh, we feel, or the conference uh, concludes, that uh, and um, kind of um, uh, promotes... Uh, recommends that um, we uh, the, the country move away from state-led censorship to industry self-regulation. Mm. You know the, mm. that ideally is seamless, or at least streamlined across all content uh, platforms. Okay. And I think uh, the other thing that I want to say about um, this is also that uh, for the audience, 
I think um, the experience of Pendatang showed it's a film that was crowdfunded, uh, successfully crowdfunded, and it reached a million views in, I think, less than a month. Uh, that the audience need to put their money where their mouth is. So if you really want to support uh, films like Mentega Terbang and have alternative uh, narratives uh, about Malaysia and yourselves come out, you need to support filmmakers, invest in them. Crowdfunding is better. And even demand TV stations to um, give us or give us the films that we want, you know, or the films that we like, you know, mm-hmm. that represents us and that have the narratives that we appreciate. So I think that is one thing that would really support uh, the industry moving forward. Okay. All right. And now, I mean, you know, with, with this charge, you know, and uh, being brought against the duo, right? I mean, what actually happens next to them? Uh, when is the next hearing? Can you just bring us up to speed on that as well? Yeah, the, um, the the next hearing will be, uh, is it March? Uh, sorry, uh, Brenda, do you know yeah, the date? March. March, okay. March 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So, and as we know, they have a gag order, so they cannot speak. Uh, and, and that's kind of where it is at the moment. So we have to wait until March to see what happens, yeah? Right. Okay, but I do, as I mentioned in the intro earlier, you know, you and other concerned um, civil society organisations are have some recommendations as well for the government with regard to this case, right? Uh, what are you calling upon the government to do? I think, um, number one, drop the charges against Kyrie and Minking. Um, it doesn't make much sense to bring these charges upon the filmmakers of Manteca Tabang. Um, after it's been already banned, it's been taken off the platform, it was produced like four years ago, three years ago. So our demand is to drop the charges uh, against these filmmakers. Um, I think secondly is to protect filmmakers who explore uh, stories uh, that are, that reflect our society, uh, stories that are uh, about our social issues, uh, critical issues, and these are their creative works. Uh, so we would like to demand that the filmmakers are protected because these stories are very important. They produce critical thinkers, they improve society as a whole. And uh, freedom of expression uh, is an essential component of nation building. And we're looking at freedom of artistic expression. Uh, it fosters a culture that celebrates creativity. Um, The state needs to step up to protect artists, to protect artistic expression in Malaysia. Uh, It must mediate any online attacks, any incitement, any harm towards artists or filmmakers. Um, And the the reason is the state, and the reason is that the state needs to support uh, this diverse space, this uh, safe platforms people then to engage uh, in a meaningful way with one another about our culture, about our faith or any issues even though we do not agree with one another but to have a safe space to come together to have dialogue. All right. And, um, you know, just looking at um, everything that's been happening, right, um, how might all of these actions actually harm the local film industry? I mean, we were, I mean, uh, quite a few filmmakers uh, turned up in court yesterday Mm -hmm. and um, I asked them this uh, same question Mm -hmm. and they say that um, this action of the government authorities uh, will really signal to the investors, you know, international investors 
who are now actually looking at uh, Malaysia as the new place to for you know uh, fresh films, fresh ideas. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it will really give them a signal that um, uh, uh, filmmakers in Malaysia and the industry is not respected. In fact, it is dangerous to even be in this field, and um, it will really, really. Uh, take away much needed uh, investment and opportunity of growth for filmmakers. Uh, the, the one example was um, quoted where I say um, a short uh, episode or a series of film, one episode in Malaysia now, the budget would some, be something like 20,000 to 30,000 ringgit. Okay. But if you're looking at a Malaysian uh, in, uh, uh, international investor investing in a series, it could go up to... 200 to 300,000 per episode. So can you imagine with that amount of, you know, escalation of uh, investment, uh, what this would mean to, you know, filmmakers, you know, mm. buy new equipment, you know, more crew, you know, more time uh, and produce much better uh, high-end and international quality uh, films. Yeah. So I think that is one of the, one of the unseen um consequences yeah 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 i think the other would be i think it's about um the industry moving forward uh it would be great if it's not a pessimist pessimistic look at the industry you know mm. but uh something which is so encouraging which actually has started already you know with uh, abang ade tiger stripes you know yeah. it kind of like we started on a high you know we were on a high and suddenly for it to come down like this it's not really uh, positive la, for the industry. Okay. So again, you know, I want to just, uh, you know, point uh, our listeners back to that that wonderful analysis that you did, uh, The Safer Space for Arts, right? And uh, again, you know, for folks, if you'd like to to read that really, really uh, interesting, uh, you know, understanding the incitement of hate and harm, right? Uh, and, and using the case of Mantega Terbang as a case study, uh, do head to freedomfilm.my slash safer spaces. Do have a uh, look at that. And I guess for now, we'll just see uh, what happens with the criminal charges brought against uh, the two film, the filmmaker and producer of Mantega Terbang. Brenda, and I Thank you so much for joining me today. Before I let you go, any concluding message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I think um, just the last uh, message is that um, the filmmakers, uh, Minking and uh, Kyrie, they filed a ju- judicial review, which means they are asking the court to review the ban of their films. Uh, they are due to go to court at the end of this month, January. Um, and I uh, would like to call upon uh, the audience, the viewers, if you had liked the film and you would like, you know, good critical Malaysian films to be made, uh, please support the filmmakers. Uh, if you want more critical thinking society, please support the filmmakers to challenge the bank. Yeah. Okay. yeah and uh, the filmmakers uh, of Mandika Terbang, they have stepped up, they've put themselves at risk. Uh, mm to be in this position, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the judicial review. Yeah. And I, I feel they're doing it not for themselves, but for the future of the industry. So um, we, we really hope uh, that uh, the community uh, rallies around them and um, do what you can to um, make our say, you know, and to push back and tell them, um, tell people that we want uh, films uh, that matter. 
Okay, definitely. Thank you so much, uh, Anna and Brenda, for joining me today. I was speaking to Brenda Danker and Anna Ha, the co-founders of the Freedom Film Network. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash learn. You can also find it on the BFM app. And again, uh, to find out more about the Freedom Film Network, just head to their website. That's freedomfilm.my. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.